Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles, Managing Director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast, the Special Needs Podcast. Each week we'll be talking about a different topic within the world of special educational needs to prove our knowledge, to provide support to professionals working in schools and to empower parents. In a world where there's less guidance, less money, more demand and continual changes, teachers, Sendcast leaders and parents need a way to keep up with everything that fits in with their lives and the Sendcast is the answer. In this episode, our guest Aaron Smith, the director of the SEND group, but who's also severely dyslexic. He will be talking about his life with dyslexia, how it's affected him, but also how it hasn't limited him. But before we get started with the podcast, have you heard of the Virtual Send Conference? This is a conference we started running in 2019 that makes CPD around SEND more affordable and easy to access. It runs twice a year over the internet, but you can watch the videos whenever you need to. For more information, visit www.virtualsendconference.com at the end of the episode, I'll be giving you a discount code so you can save money when you purchase access. Uh, and later this year, we will be running a conference for parents of uh, individuals with SEND. This week's show is on dyslexia and how it has affected our guest Aaron Smith's life. Aaron was diagnosed at the age of nine, has gone on to work in a variety of jobs, including youth work, retail, and the not-for-profit sector. Aaron has worked within the dyslexia sector for over 15 years. He is the chairman of the Leicestershire Dyslexia Association and has previously worked and volunteered for the British Dyslexia Association. And recently, he's also taken a new challenge of launching the Dyslexia Show, which we will talk about later. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you very much, Dale. So I've just given you a brief bio, but I know you've done a lot more than that. I've known you for a number of years, and you always seem to be somewhere with a different hat on. A lot of this has been raising the profile around dyslexia and for improving the support of people with dyslexia. I think that's definitely true. I think for me, it has always been about um, working in organisations that I believe have that support for dyslexia. Uh, being severely dyslexic has been uh, definitely interesting for me, so I think... I think working for the BDA was probably the life-changing experience. And actually probably going back further. So as you said, I'm chairman of the Leicestershire Dyslexia Association, but I actually started there when I was nine as a young person. So we're an independent charity. We have an after-school workshop on a Saturday morning. We have about 28 children currently being taught at the moment by specialist teachers, by, by volunteers. And I was taken there by my parents, and I haven't left. <laughs> and wow. ended up being like like a a young rep on their management board or on their trustee board and then uh, ended up being vice chairman but then then thought actually no, I want to do something national so I became a, a member of the British Dyslexia Association's board uh, and ultimately a job was there that I got and I applied for and I got it so that was what in what was probably about nine years ago for a bit less than that yeah uh, I was there for five and a half years and it was definitely it definitely that was definitely the life changing so from from being uh, from my parents taking me to the to the local association, which is affiliated to the BDA, to then going to the national sec- sector and then being employed, that kind of really changed it, and that kind of gave me that good stead to actually know that I'm I knew the dyslexia field well and where we met at exhibitions all the while because I'd either have either be running around just networking because that's what I was good at because I don't like standing still because not just being dyslexic I have tendencies of ADHD as well, so because <clears throat> dyslexia is co-occurring of course. But I think for me it is then when I when I when I when we had to and I had to leave the BDA I think actually what did I want to do I actually applied for seventeen jobs uh, uh, never got an interview because I don't have a degree I don't really have many qualifications I think my highest qualification is a 
it's an AVCE in IT and it's only an E uh, I got in that at that time and um, but my experience of actually the world was a lot there so I thought you know what I, I'm going to work for myself I, I had a one of the uh, one of the professors that I knew from when I was at the BDA uh, uh, Professor Steve Chin said he wanted to do a webinar and I was like rather than you do it let's me do it and I'll do it more and more and that's what happened I started doing that People like other companies like Scanning Pens and Nessie came along and said, actually, can you come and do some days with us to give us some support uh, of being that kind of dyslexia and residence concept, I think is probably the best way to describe it now. And it was really good. It was like, it was just fascinating, like looking at product development, looking at supporting that kind of moving forward, uh, giving people advice, seeing these companies grow as well was really good. Uh, and ultimately led to me to, to the biggest role I have now is working for Microsoft as, their, as, a, as a vendor for them, as a their dyslexia and SEND consultant. So going around schools talking about what they're doing for dyslexia. And they are all, have always been contractual roles. So I'm always part-time, but, and then always having fingers in many other pies with other things. I, at one point I was writing wills as well, or not really. I was, I was just writing some technology to do it with someone. Never wrote them. Okay. Uh, 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 but that was just a like a, an offshoot. <laughs> it is, you've got to be entrepreneurial when you're dyslexic. That's what they say. So, because I've known you for years, and I've always been on the B squared stand, I've always been there, and I've I just remember going, "Why is he there?" Yeah, the BDA, the Nessie, yeah, and now Microsoft. It's like you don't hang around. No, 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 no. Got to wear many hats. It is a portfolio lifestyle. They call it. <laughs> yes, I, I think I think the thing about it is though, for me, is it's like when you when you work for yourself, you've got to like you look at the contracts you've got. You go, okay. Okay, this contract may come to an end. You can't just put all your eggs in one basket. And that was the concept was. The the SEND group does it does really well with the webinars we do. We we kind of broken that mold a little bit, like like you've done with the uh, with your um with your virtual conference. It's breaking that mold, being groundbreaking. And for me it was is that I wanted to give that C P D of say having someone like Steve or Neil that do cost a lot of money to have in a school. Yeah. Uh, making it affordable for a teacher to pay for it was really important for me, and that's why we did it. And, and it's done really well. We've like it's we average about twenty five people per webinar now, which is really good for me. It is. It's really nice to see that. And and you walk into a venue and you say, and someone says, "You're Aaron. Don't you do them webinars?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So it is. It's it's quite good. But we we move forward. It is, and and then you've got to think. Well, actually, that's one or two days a month, maybe four days a month at most. What do you fill the other days with? And that's where contracting and being a consultant is really good and I think mainly me opening my big mouth kind of works <laughs> it is because as well you see like like I, I also do some work for a, a school in North Wales so I, I do I've done some work for St David's College which is an independent school which has got 60 years experience of working with dyslexic children uh, has worked has got 60 percent of their intake have an additional learning need and we kind of looked at their IT and their kind of aspect of assistive technology and that then led me on to saying to Microsoft, this is what I've done here, and having this phone call with this guy in the US that I knew, Mike Tholson from Microsoft, and he went, do you want to do that for more schools in the UK? And I went, yeah, of course I do. And that was the thing it is, and it's just grown and grown. And then kind of like then coming on to the concept that actually I've always had this idea that we need to have a, a very different model for exhibitions. There's lots of our exhibitions that we, we've attended are all business to business, so it's always schools and, and, and that. And how do we then support parents within the dyslexia field and that's where the dyslexia show came from so we're going to come back to that later but let's bring it back to when you were age nine when you were diagnosed you obviously uh didn't plan to do all the stuff you've done no. and are doing and have achieved it is a long list 
Um, so what was the journey that led you to the diagnosis? And when you got that diagnosis, how did you feel? So I, I, I remember probably earliest memory of things is basically that I was picked on at school. I was very, I was bullied at school because I didn't know at one time one was. I also remember that my sister, who's three years younger than me, can read better than I could. Now, I never liked reading. I didn't, I liked my mum reading to me. I didn't like reading. And I remember that my mum and dad started going to events on a Wednesday evening, which were these events that the Leicestershire Dyslexia Association ran. And I remember my dad asking me, do you do this? Do you do that? And I think my dad was quite sceptical. He didn't realise there was anything wrong with me. And he uh, and that and that was my memory. I think it was it was a talk all about dyspraxia, which is the physical motivation, which is a co-occurring condition of dyslexia. And um, ultimately, my mum and dad took me to this centre in Leicester, which was a was a dyslexia institute centre, which is a previous charity, and they assessed me. And then from there, I, I kind of like it, this assessment was kind of like it was kind of well, it's a long time, lots of reading, lots of uh, uh, lots of doing kind of things with diamonds and reading books and trying to do stuff. And then my mum said to me, Aaron, you're dyslexic. Now, I actually, when she told me, I was like, yes. I was really happy. I can remember being really happy. But at the same time, the dentist said to me, Aaron, you've got to have eight teeth taken out. And I was quite happy about that. When he told me, when I had the first tooth taken out, I wasn't happy. And I, <laughs> and I kind of use that analogy that my feeling of dyslexia was like, was, was like going to the dentist. That feeling of stress, anxiety, that's kind of how it felt. I, I remember very vividly that I did not, probably year five and six. It was year four when I got diagnosed, end of year five, beginning of year six. I did not like it at all. I hated it. Hated it. I couldn't, I couldn't read like everyone else. I never understood why at school we did silent reading because you've got to read out loud to hear yourself. Okay. Uh, I used to count ceiling tiles. That's what I remember most. Uh, yeah, I'll do that. <clears throat> well, I, I, I say that a lot. Whenever I, always, I, I talk a lot about myself when I go and do these talks for, for companies and I always look up and look for ceiling tiles and start and pretend to start counting them and, the scene tiles in your office, actually, think about it. Uh, but, you'll, you'll be pleased to know <coughs> that all the lights yeah. are geometrically ha happy. Oh, you, you've made sure you've kind of lined them yeah. up. Yeah, now I could, I, yeah, actually, you know, I could just looking up, I can when see, you see that. When you go somewhere and you see one light out of line, it's like... Yeah, and they don't like that. No. And I think I think that actually then, it, for me, you see, I didn't like it. I think going to the Dyslexia Association actually kind of then made me understand that I wasn't alone. I think that I did have a, a lot of stress. And I think that when you are dyslexic, well, I know when you're dyslexic, your, your body's under stress anyway, because actually we live in a world which is very, very, it's full of words and letters. So actually that can be quite hard. You, you, if you think about it, that walking into a supermarket and what's all around you, even walking into an exhibition theatre, it was quite ironic. I was talking to a colleague of mine from Microsoft at last year's TES show in, in, in um, the SDN show in London. And we walked around the exhibition thing and he was pointing out things. And I said to him, you know, I actually can't actually read any of these. I actually have to stand and decode words there. So I, I like I, I like your company, B Squared. I actually remember the word just by your picture because of your squares. Yeah. And that's the only way I can remember it because it, squared is not a very easy word to read. It's not a very easy word to decode. And, and that's the thing. But I think through life, I think understanding my dyslexia actually changed it being supported by the Dyslexia Association. And I think that when, when I was in high school, so I, I did three years at school, in high school was when I had a, I had a kind of like a TA stroke teacher that was kind of like a caseworker, it's the best way to describe her. She was always with me. And um, she was quite, I, I don't want to say mean, but she was very, very firm. 
and she was even filming my mum and dad because my mum and dad went to see her at this parents' evening and they were early and there was no one with her so mum sat down to talk to her to find out what was going on and she wasn't happy and she's and I think I was there but I can't remember this but mum's told me that I, I, I was there and this woman said to me that Aaron will never amount to anything because he can't read and and I don't know if that kind of got me thinking and got that subconscious going that actually now I've shown that person quite a lot but I think now for me it is that that it was when I got to my high, my upper school, so GCSE years, year 10 and 11, when actually things really changed. Because the Senko said to me this word dyslexia. They never used the word dyslexia. I always had an SPLD or a specific learning difficulty. They never used the word dyslexia. And that's when she used it. She said, Aaron, you're the most severely dyslexic person. We're going to support you. And, and that's when actually that support was there. Now, the support they gave me then was basically I had a TA attached to me. Now... Now, is that going to happen again? I don't think so because of funding. Is it right? I think now I've learned that actually probably it wasn't as inclusive as it could be. So I, I look at my history lessons. My history lessons, I was asleep and the TA was prodding me to wake me up. Uh, in my biology lessons, I had no frustration because actually I like biology. I really like my teacher. I got on with him really well. Uh, I could answer questions. I could, I could argue back in the sense that I could get an answer out so I could actually learn but I never had to write it down because my TA wrote everything down. Now, did I ever read them books again? Probably not. For my two, uh, everything that I did for my GCSEs, I actually did by memory because, one, I can't read handwriting anyway. Not, not my handwriting, even anyone else's handwriting. I find it really hard to decode. I find it really hard to decode words anyway. But I think that over time, it kind of like, I kind of just live with it. I think when I was in, when I, when I started in youth work, that was probably like, I, I still, I can't believe now that I actually ran a project with no assistive technology. And I must have sent emails out with loads of spelling mistakes and never realised. Because now I look back and think, now I, I'm using dictation, I'm using using predictive text. And I know they're right because I listen back to them to check them. So yep. it's just that thing. But I think, I think to me, the biggest thing was, was actually understanding my difficulties. But then also understanding my strengths was probably the best thing. Yeah, my, my nephew was um, diagnosed with dysgraphia. And his reaction when he got told that was, I'm not stupid. Mm -hmm. And it's not that it's like he's just, it's something different about him. Um, and he then, it was a challenge to get the uh, support. But once he did get the support, he did get uh, uh, an award in his school for the most improved pupil in the entire school. And that is really powerful. And that, that's the thing, actually, when you look at life, even when you're older and you're working, I think actually getting praise actually really can actually really empower you. Uh, and that was probably one of the things when moving to the BDA, actually, that kind of gave me that empowerment. Working in retail, working youth work, didn't really get that empowerment from, from people I work for. So that kind of really helped. But I think it's really interesting what you've just said about the label concept, because lots of people don't like this work, this labeling concept. But I always say to people, when you go to the doctors when you don't feel well and your doctor tells you you've got a virus, you actually feel very annoyed. When you're actually told what your condition is, you do have a little bit of relief. Now, I think there is a benefit for labelling. I do think there is a benefit of labelling. But then also then there is a, there's another piece of work of understanding. Yeah. And that's thing. And, and we look back over the past. I, I've, like you said, I've worked in the field probably for more 20 years now within the dyslexia field. And you look back at, at people making comments and we, 
we were talking before about the shows we've been to, and I remember one of the shows we've been to, and a, a, an MP at the time had, had made a comment about the dyslexia shouldn't is a myth. Uh, massive, massive comment. Uh, just a PR exercise for him in my case. Lots of backlash. Um, it was really good because we were all at an event and we were like telling people that they should go and complain to him and stuff like that. But it was, but actually, there's been lots of that over the time about that. There's been professors say that we shouldn't use the word dyslexia because it's not scientifically proven. And I'm like, well, actually, and the reason he says that was is because that dyslexia, most people think it's just about reading when it's not just about reading. It's a lot, it's a lot bigger than that. And and I still say now that I don't have an automatic reading capability. I don't automatically read words. So I'm going to point out that you have an amazing desk in front of you. Now, I know it begins with an R, but I can't read the word. That's the thing, because I can't... One, it's upside down to me, so I've got to decode it. Uh, uh, and um, and that thing is that they're just words, they're just symbols to me. And so when Aaron's mentioning the desk, he's meaning the... Um mixing desk we're using to record the yeah. podcast not my piece of wood yes yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that's right yeah. that's yeah mixing desk that's a good point but I, I, do, I, I found it interesting as i talk to more people uh so doing the sendcast uh, hosting the virtual send conference and listening to all these experts in all these different areas and just picking out things that resonate with me mm. um one which i i, I joked about it but it was actually true was uh, selective mutism yeah, I mean, when you talk about it, when it's like, like it's when I was thirteen, talking to girls, I had selective mutism. I went, yes, that is it. When you're just unable to speak due to your nervousness, and mm-hmm. you, and you just sit there, and I'm neuro, I, I believe I'm neurotypical. Yeah. As I can talk more, more people, not so sure. Um, you, these little things affect me in different ways, and then when somebody's that's a lifelong difficulty, when it's more severe, um, I could not imagine how that how that is to deal with i think i think you, you kind of cope with it that's why i said your body's under a lot of stress i think that you, so you let, let's 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 just try something now right okay so you've got a piece of paper in front of you yep right close your eyes and try some try to read it <laughs> you can't no the other thing is this what we you can always try this one so it, when we do when i do some training with people i often say uh, uh, write a story of what you did over the summer but you can't use any ease in any of your words because um, that is, you've got to really think about it, and that that kind of helps put you under a bit more pressure. Um, we have another one where there's a, there's a piece of text with no spacing in. That's really good to do, uh, and that puts the people under pressure. Um, there's a I've I've heard a speaker speak who uh, who's coming to the dyslexia show actually about working memory, and she reads a list of things, things like uh, table, chair, ball mouse um she then uses some odd words um, uh, um i'm going to say adult she uses the word adult entertainment uh, uh, in her thing uh, um just because it's a word that people don't think she's going to say and um and actually that's the word that everyone remembers yeah but what she's doing is why she's doing it is she's shaking her keys uh, or she's rustling paper so why she's reading these out and then basically have a minute and she has a timer on her on our presentation that you have to count down to actually do it and actually people find it really hard and people get about probably about 10 percent. some people get more some people get less and that's actually using your working memory and actually that really actually puts you under pressure the same way that actually for me uh, um, even coming to your office i know the office begins with a c i actually and i roughly know what the word is i know you've got the word technology in there so i could i can decode that word because that's something that i enjoy 
But actually then, okay, so I've got here. I know what building it is. Actually, no, I can't get to that building. There's a massive gates around it and stuff like that. I've got to get through all that concept. So actually, you've got to learn to do something. And then you walk into this room and you're kind of then, you're talking to the receptionist. And actually, then you're decoding the, thing, the sign that says you need to have ID next to you. And that was like, okay, where is mine? I actually have no idea where it is. Is it still at home? Is it in my bag? Because then, then the next part of dyslexia comes into your memory. Because actually, probably for me, working memory and the memory concept is what dyslexia is. It's actually how we process that information and how our brain retains it. Uh, and, and it kind of like we just keep moving forward, we tend to. And I, and I think that me, that technology really has changed that. It's made it a lot easier for me to provide, to actually grow. Um, I think then, but then having a support network is also really good, I think. And that was the thing is when I was at school, having that, that, having that Senko say to me that you're the most severely per dyslexic person, we're going to support you, we're going to give you this TA. But actually, don't, don't worry, actually, our, our learning support room is open for you at lunchtime. You can come and do that. It's really powerful. And I suppose just listening to what you've talked about and also hearing experiences is just how much you take for granted. Oh, yeah, definitely. And there's things I've seen on Facebook, those lovely, silly things people post, um, which, again, just makes you not understand how your mind works. And one of the ones I remember is um, it's, a, it's, it's um, a paragraph of text, but only the first and the last letter of each word are in the correct order. Mm. So, but if you skim read it, you can read it. Yeah. If you try and read it, you can't. And that was amazing. And then you hear of it was a BBC um, documentary about people who see perfectly fine, but don't recognise people's faces. Mm. And their husband will walk into the room and he has to say, it's Dave, your husband. Oh, she wouldn't look at any... I just, again, but surely that's just... And it's just all these little things that some, not everyone sees um, continuously refreshed images. Some people, it's refreshed every half second. Yeah. And when they're on the tube, suddenly the tube's right in front of them and it's really scary and the anxiety and all this stuff you just assume. Yeah. And when you're sitting there, you're assuming that every person around you is same experience and life is easy. And I'm now feeling guilty for not meeting you earlier at the reception. That, that's fine. <laughs> that's not a problem. I should have. I could have. I could have texted you. Say I was there. But it's not to me. You see, for me, you see, this is this is what I do every day. I go. I'm going in and out of schools or going in and out of institutions all the while. So actually, for me, it's not. It's not as bad. If you said to me that, uh, Ram, if actually, the, the the classic thing is actually when I go on holiday with my wife. Right. She hates flying with me, especially if we fly with a budget airline. Because I do not want, I, one of the ones that don't allocate your seat or you have to pay to allocate your seat, that kind of concept. That to me is the worst thing ever. So when I fly on my own, I have no issue. I can get to the airport, I can plan my journey, I can walk to the gate and I can sit near the gate for two hours before the flight goes. When I fly with other people and even when I'm actually with, with my, my wife or even my daughter, when I, we're, going, we're going to London for a holiday this year and that's going to be, uh, interesting because they are going to literally just be like right next to me because that's how I'll have to feel to be safe. That anxiety is actually more is actually harder for me than actually going to talk to you about dyslexia. I can go and talk to a thousand people about it; it wouldn't bother me at all. But going to the pub with a thousand people in it could be actually quite overwhelming. And I, and in in my past, I have literally I have made up excuses to leave environments just because there's just sensory overload. I'm not in control. Um, my, I, got, I only got married last year and my mum and dad expected me to throw up because I, I have in the past throw up for, for, for anxiety. 
And actually, you know what? Because because me, I know that Lucy was at the centre of attention. Of course, she's my wife, and that's the whole point of it. But I we I was part of that centre of attention. So actually, I had no issue at all about it. I was a little bit nervous, but I was not as bad as I have been in the past. I was really shocked. I, and there's a really good picture that my, that I've got that of me sitting down waiting for Lucy to come in to the registry office, and I've just got this biggest grin on my face. And that's because I know there's people there that I've invited. There's friends from there's friends from the, some of the schools I've worked in. There's friends from from my from Dyslexia Association. There are people there that actually that that basically me and Lucy have known because that's and that and that's really nice. It is, and actually for me, it's the whole point of it. It is the they they often say that the SEN community is quite incestuous. It's probably the best way to yes. describe it because actually, you know what? It is because we are such a neat community. But I think something you were saying earlier was kind of resonating about it, and I was like looking at people, and actually, you know, that seventy percent of disability is hidden. Yes, that, and that's huge. Now, dyslexia affects about fifteen percent of the population, between ten and fifteen percent. It's probably the biggest hidden disability, and it's still classed as an education disorder, and that's why we have issues with it. And it's and it and it kind of frustrates me a lot. But technology can actually change that. So a lot with the hidden disabilities, obviously, if someone's leg doesn't work, it's kind of obvious. It's kind Correct. of a, does their leg work, yes or no? Yeah. And with autism, yes. dyslexia, probably dysgraphia, dys- all, the, all of them, it's, it's not a simple yes, no. no. It's not a case of, do you have these five things wrong with you? Yes, you have dyslexia, congratulations. It's more, it's always a, a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of this, and different profiles. Yeah, it's that co-occurring. It's that co-occurring or, or, or neuro, neurodiverse concept. I think that, that that for me, see, I, I look at it and I, I we have a lot more support at the moment for people with autism and communication difficulties. And I think that that is because it is probably a little bit more medical. It's more assessed through med- the medical through through our medical services, where dyslexia is very much assessed through teachers and and, and specialist teachers and psychologists. Um, and that's why there's always this barrier. And I think that that to me has always been an issue. And I think that for me, that's why you see some really good support and then you see some really some okay support and and that's why when i tell people my story about my support is that i say it's not all like that i was very lucky but my and but the biggest thing was my parents i think that's the biggest thing is that you have parents that have learned stuff i I remember when i got my my statement actually in year six the biggest change for me was that the senko sat next to me rather than me going to sit in the senko's room that was the big change but i remember my mum being on the windy phone. I remember having the windy phone in the hallway, uh, the grey gray and brown phone. And I remember her ringing up the count, the local authority every other day to find out where my report was. And I remember that. And I remember why she was doing it was because we lived on, I, I, I live in Leicester. And Leicester is a split authority. So we have Leicester, Leicester City and Leicester County. Now, I lived on the border of county and city. I lived in the county. I went to a county school they kept sending our paperwork to the city. So that's why there was a big, there was literally a month's delay or two months delay before I actually got the statement through. Um, and I just think, I just, I remember the, you remember things from your life, but uh, I can't remember having a conversation, with my, what I had a conversation with my wife with 20 minutes ago. But I can remember what I did at the BDA when I was working there, when I had that conversation with, say, with, with three people saying that I was leaving or had this conversation with someone about a, about a project we should do. And, and where I was, um, but I can't remember my teachers ever teaching me the alphabet. I know the alphabet, but I can't remember it. 
I'm still struggling with noun, verb, and adjective. Oh, oh you see now, you see now, I can now <laughs> see that. I can solve that issue with technology because I have a, there's a brilliant tool within in, in Office 365 that does that <laughs> called Immersive Reader, which makes it really easy for me. When I talk about that, I, 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 that's the same thing I say. I know what a noun is. I have no idea what an adjective's adverb or verb is. What? Well, I don't need to know if it is. I think, but like I said, now I have a support network. I have my technology. But because I work for myself, I think, I think this is something that actually that people should know about, and that is that, that there is support out there from our government called Access to Work. Access to Work is an amazing concept. It is. It's for our. Um, it's for anyone that is employed or self-employed. Um, you just look, just search for it online, and you'll find about it. Is if you anyone has a disability, remember that the UK class of disability under our, our Equality Act as a physical or mental impairment that affects your day-to-day life, which dyslexia is one of them, and. For me, that has also made it a lot easier. So I have a support worker. She works for, works with me. She checks my emails. She makes sure she gets my bookings right. And um, it, it allows me to actually then not worry about that thing. So booking a, a meeting with someone, probably will, what, how long will that take you? Uh, depends on which tool I use. Yeah. If it's one of the ones you've got the emails going back and forth, that takes a while. Yeah. But but actually, if you think about it, probably what, 10, 15 minutes over, over a period of a, of a few days, let's yeah. say. That'll probably take me about two hours because what it is, is what you've got to think about is so, so one, I've done the initial phone call because I will always start with a phone call. Then I've got to remember what I've said on the phone call and put that into an email. So that then you've now got a barrier of typing, spelling and remembering. Yep. So then you send that email, then you wait for the response to come back. Now that response could be yes, no, or 3000 words on top of that. Yep. Slight exaggeration there. So you've got to read that, decode all that. Then remember to put it in your diary and not remember that actually the phone's ringing and the dog's running around and something distracts you that makes you forget. Then you go back and confirm. So actually for me, that's probably three or four hours just to get one meeting. Now, if you think that this week I've attended three, four schools and you, and come to see you, that's a lot of time that I could be, that, that's wasted really because of my dyslexia. But actually... Because of that support, it's not because actually I can do it. It's nothing against me doing it, but actually I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be able to work for Microsoft. I wouldn't be able to work for people like Nessie and, and Scanning Pens and, and anyone else that wants to wear the hat for Claro and all, all, all the companies I've worked for. It's just, it's been quite amazing. It is. And, and, and I, I don't know if I've been to India for, and talking about dyslexia in India. That was like, that was like, I never ever thought I'd do that. That so was I, just. That was in December, wasn't I was, it? I went in December. I was there two years ago uh, just to see what it was. And then this year, I, I, last year, I went back and, and spoke to a, a group. Of, I spoke to two, two seminars on, on, techno, on using assistive technology, uh, just the concept of assistive technology, just talking about that, that it's there and you can do text-to-speech, speech-to-text, mind mapping, note-taking, just so people can actually see it. And, and that was fascinating. I, 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 love, I love looking at the, uh, the dyslexia world and... Hopefully, I, I'm going back this year to do a little bit more on that. So, fingers crossed. So, one of the things you didn't notice when booking a meeting with us yeah. is, again, a brilliant use of technology. So, we use a tool called Calendly, and there are other tools available, and Microsoft have their own, yeah, which is I, really I, cool. I did actually see it. I did see it, um, uh, but I, I left it to Paula to deal with. <laughs> I'm going to blame her. She's going to tell me off for that, but that's fine. And it's amazing. So, what Calendly does is I just send you an email, and it has my calendar availability built in, so you can just look at your calendar. You pick a time and you do it, and it pops in, and it, it saves about thirty steps. Yeah, no, it saves so much, and it's brilliant. And I know, I've seen it. I think I love it. It's lot, as you said, lots of little things help you, but they also help 
everyone. And that, it comes back to that if you support those who need extra support, it actually makes everyone's lives easier. Yeah, I think that if you, um, I know that you had you had Neil Mackay on your on the send, on the virtual uh, virtual conference, didn't you? Yeah. And Neil will always talk about dyslexia friendly schooling, and he's kind of I would call him the godfather of dyslexia friendly schools and the concept of it. And for me, actually, that if we teach children in a dyslexia friendly way, in a multi sensory way, everyone gets that support. And that's the point. And that is the thing is that, and if we look at the assistive technology market, actually dictation is an amazing productivity tool. For you, it saves you time. For me, it saves me time and removes frustration. That's the thing. Yes. And that, and that, so that ticks two boxes for me. It ticks a box for you. Um, but then also I'm making a consumption there that you don't, you're, you're, you're neurotypical, not, not neurodiverse, uh, which you probably shouldn't do, but we, we can do for this bit for 10 seconds. Yes. Um, but that's the thing is, is I think for me, I, I, I'm, I, I find the dyslexia world quite fascinating. I find it sometimes very annoying. I do. I find it like, I, I love listening to new research. Um, I love thinking about what people are doing. Uh, and, and for me, it's all about just, just knowing it is. I, I kind of like, I, I was really happy. I, I've, I've just listened to, um, Robert Eisner's book, Robert Eisner, the CEO of Disney. He did a book, and the best thing he did was he put it on Audible. Oh, so it's a pod, so it's a so it's an audio book, and the concept of me picking a book up and not putting it down physically would never happen. I'd never read a book. I've got a few books at home, never read them. They're just they're just dust coat covered. That's all they are. They're dust collectors. But I could not put this book down as an audio book, and that and that I got me really thinking actually over there over the Christmas period that I literally. Whenever I was literally, if I if I if I woke up in the middle of the night and I went down to get a cup of tea, it was on. It is. It was. If I was if I if I was not like uh, uh, like doing something, I would go and put it on. If I could put it on when I was working, I put it on. I can't always listen to stuff when I'm working because I can't have that distraction. But that to me kind of really did it. And and that's the biggest thing is having that tool is there for people to listen to stuff in the car. It's just an idea. But actually, for me, it allowed me to understand the whole Harry Potter series. Yes. I, like biggest revelation for me was that Harry that, that Ron and Hermione were prefects. Now I've watched all the films, my mum's read all the books, my wife's read all the books, my sister's read all the books. No one never told me that. When I heard it in the book, I was like, Why has never anyone told me this? This is to me a big revelation. I never knew this. Because it's not in the films, it's in the books. What difference does it make? Because now I'm curious. Well, to, it was just to me. It basically just meant that the that because it was just they were prefects, so to me they were they, they kind of there was a storyline in 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 it's in the fifth book about um, about actually that there is the inquisitorial squad where where the new head teacher comes in to try and like yep. do it, but actually undermines a system that's there, and it's something that I just didn't know because it wasn't in no, the it's films. Not. It's not in the films, and that was the thing for me is that there are lots of little things in the books that weren't in the films that actually oh, I understand that I understand that bit now. And for me, it kind of like made that it made it more exciting for me. I, I'm a big fan of Harry Potter. It's always on my phone. I'm listening to the fifth book, the seventh, sixth book again. Uh, um, can't, I'm not allowed to listen to it at home anymore because I've listened to it too much. Have you gone to see the Cursed Child? Yes, I did. Yes, yeah. Uh, I saw that a couple of weeks ago, and um, I had no idea what to expect. I knew it was a play. Yeah. And there's gonna be some magic. Yeah. And I went in with that expectation. My wife's read the script. My daughter's read the script. They're full on Harry Potter heads. Um, I've read part of the first book. I want to read, but time. 
but I've watched all the films and lo- love it. Yeah. And that show blew me away. Yeah, no, it's an amazing show. We're not, but because you remember at the very end, it tells you not meant to talk about it. Yes, that's it. All I'm going to say it's amazing. It, it is um, definitely amazing. And I, and I, I, I was, I, I, we, we were, we were able to have not in 2018. We, I booked tickets in 2017, ready for 2018. Like I had to wait a whole year to go and see it, and you know, blew me and Lucy away. We, we are massive Harry Potter fans. Even so, that our wedding was a Harry Potter themed wedding. So, like, like literally, we had, we, we had all, all of our, all of the, all the flowers were made out of Harry Potter books. Um, it was like fascinating. It was brilliant. It was brilliant fun. And that, and that thing is that, that the the play was amazing. But I think that that's the thing. I, I always, I think there's little things that annoy you when you do it. So, so when I, I wrote a letter to J.K. and um, and I'm gonna, it, I, the political concept was is that I know that she never read it because her her. Um, uh, the the person who opened the letter read it and just sent me a standard response. Yep. Now for me, okay, if you read the letter, I, I'm severely dyslexic. I don't like writing, but I wrote you a letter. I did type it. I did dictate it. It's fine. But actually, the thing that I was saying was is actually that I really find that having the books on Audible is so accessible because actually it means I can read it, and because they're un- unabridged, means you could actually read along with the book. Yes, which also means that I could do that, which I have done. I have done the first book, done half of the first book. I've read along with Stephen Fry reading it. And that, to me, actually really kind of helps. And that's the other thing about that concept of technology, because actually if we then had it in a bit of synchronisation into that, it would be even easier for me to read. It's that, that, that's the thing. But it, you, I always now, I think now, being with Microsoft and helping with that kind of that, that, that contract that I've had with them, has actually opened my eyes even more because I'm now involved in more, not just dyslexia, more disability. So I always have closed captions whenever I go and speak now because it's a policy that Microsoft have around speaking. And, and actually, to me, it's a really positive thing because actually 70% of us read social media posts silently. Yes. Which even I do it and I don't like reading. Um but I think that just I, I, I'm digressing massively. But I think actually social media, Twitter was the biggest thing that made me read. Because when Twitter used to be 140 characters, yeah, that to me, I used to sit there and I used to read Twitter because it's so small. It was so easy. And I think that with, with that, I, I I've been taught many times. I've had many assessments because of my dyslexia. Because I'm in that field, I liked I actually like being tested for dyslexia because I like to understand how these tests work and I don't mind it. And hopefully they get the results that says that I still am dyslexic, which I'm never going to leave me. And it, it fact just fascinates me. It does. I think that's the thing. It is. But it, it, to me, it is like we have to, we have to look at support. We have to look at, at moving forward, and we have to, uh, we have to embrace what's out there. I try and work out: Am I just inherently lazy and always look for the easy option, or am I just trying to get things done quicker? So with the internet, you Google stuff. You're trying to find out how to do something. You Google it, and there'll be... Or, or you search, because that's the word. I, I, I search on Google. Yeah. I won't mention the Bing word. <laughs> but Bing is better than the DFE's own search engine on their website, so yeah. that is good. Yeah. Um, so I search for things. Um, and I used to just uh, find things and just read these documents. And yeah. then I look at my screen, and I'm trying to work out what I've just read, how that refers to the screen, and how I'm trying to fix what I'm doing on the computer. Um, but what I found over the last um, probably six months to a year is I don't Google or Bing anymore. I YouTube. Yeah. So I just search my problem on YouTube yeah. and somebody has done a guide. And rather than me trying to translate what I'm reading into what I should see, 
I can basically, I'm lucky I have two monitors. So I put the video on one monitor and I'm basically clicking along. Yeah. And, and actually, you know what? That is, that's really powerful. It is. And I, and I do the same. I, 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 the reason why I like your, your, your mixing desk is because I like technology. I'm a massive fan of, 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 uh, of AV and, and theatre lighting. And I had to do, last year, I had to do a comedy festival in a venue I'd never been in. And this lighting desk, I've seen them. I have a rough idea how they work, but I don't use it every day. Yep. YouTube, on my iPad, best thing that ever happened. Best thing that ever happened it was that actually I could just watch this. And we had an error with it. Every time I turned it on, it wouldn't save the colour of the, the LED. So I knew every morning, every time I got in that, I had to reset that. And by the time I'd done it, by the time I got to the last show, it was automatic. It was just automatically set up. It was brilliant. And that, to me, was like kind of like the best thing ever, I think. And I think that uh, that's the thing is that if we find solutions... And I think that that's the other thing that we have in education. Education now is very prescriptive. It's very much like we have to get all these kids to this point to get this exam. And I think that actually we need to just open our minds a little more. I think we just need to stop having a 19th century intake. Sorry, a 19th century schooling for a 21st century intake. Yes. But, you know, that's Lorraine, Lorraine Peterson. Lorraine says Peterson, that so, a yeah. lot. She does, yeah. Um, I, I agree with Lorraine, it is. And that's the thing. It's like... It is. It's just. It's just like let's just embrace what we've got. It is. If we've got technology in school, let's use it. If we've got technology at home, let's use it. Right. We've both got what we've both got a mobile phone. Right. I could get my mobile phone now with an app, and I could literally put it over your script, and it'll read it to me. Yes. Right. With that, and that, and that app is free, and that to me, yes, it helps for. Bl- it's designed for blind people. It works really well for blind people. But for me, actually, you know what? When I go, when I, I'm a cub leader as well. When I go and take my cubs to, to to the museum, they can go off. I've got my earpod in, and I'm using that app because I want to know what this spaceship is. I want to know what this this steam engine is, but it's not accessible for me. And I could go and pay twenty quid to go and have the 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 audio system, but actually, is that right? And and I and I question these things all the yeah. while. I say, okay, wait a second. If I was blind, I might get that for free. Is are they not cla- are they classing? A blind person different to a dyslexic person. It is. I, I I get all my I get my bank statements on C D because I find it very annoying when banks don't tell me information. They expect me to read it. So like when, when you have a savings account, they change the rate. So many times have I had a, I had lots of discussions about accessibility. Now, I have no issue with it, but it's stamped articles for the blind because that's actually free post. I have no issue. But my other colleagues that are severely dyslexic find that really hard because they're not blind. They just maybe they may be they may be they may have literacy difficulties and they've had campaigns to change that. But for me it doesn't bother me. For me it is let's just find support, put support into place and actually help help people, help our young people and actually use the concept of disability to be positive. Because actually we can put people in in, in, in positions so we can we, we we were talking before the podcast about your about your company and the, the things you're doing, and it may be actually that someone that has that autism or has dyslexia could actually look at some of your code and go actually you know what if we do this this and this that's going to cut down the the amount of data in this file, but actually make it five times faster because they just look at it differently. Yeah, and that's the positivity, and and that's the thing companies like Microsoft like. Uh, um, like Intel, some of these other companies, uh, Dell are doing it as well. They're bringing people from that neurodiverse community to actually uh, change the way they look at things. 
It is. I, I love watching blind coders code. It is. It's like, how do they do it? But actually they can. It is. It's how it, how they see it in their yeah. head. Yeah, how they see it in their head. And then how, say, the screen reader reads it to them. It is. So, no, it's... Uh, it, goes, it goes back to what you were saying about education systems, is you are teaching a certain way for a certain outcome to meet the test. You're not teaching them how to be creative thinkers. You're no. not teaching them to do it their own... It is sitting... And there's so many different ways. And my daughter does things at school and you just sit there going, oh, no, let her do it because that's what she's got to do for school. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is, is you, you think about it is that the, the conversation you have when you're, at a, when, you're, uh, when you're in work, it is that you will use your mobile phone, you will use your iPad, you'll use your laptop to do stuff. You will do. You'll use a pen and paper when you need to. Um, but actually, the majority of it is that this I, I I always use the when I go into a school I always say to a te- I always say to teachers when was the last time you wrote a handwritten note to your head teacher when was the last time you wrote a handwritten note to your line manager like you may write the odd le- the odd memo saying that you had a phone call but actually nowadays so you just send them an email saying that this person's called you we are we teaching kids in that way and that's my, and that, that that's always a question I have and that's of course it's always a personal view. Uh, um, be, be we, are, we are going to come to that on a uh, future podcast. We are, yes. yeah. Yeah, we are, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I agree because I, I, the only place I really see pen and paper being used heavily is in schools. Definitely. By the children, but also I see a lot of teachers writing notes for themselves. Whenever I'm t- teaching them something, they're just making all these scribbling of notes. Me personally, I go to meetings, my iPad will be there, I'll be writing it into notes, and I close my iPad, and that's already synced to my computer. And that's powerful. And that and that's the thing I, I, I often say about technology. Um, this, I will lose a bit of paper. I hate paper. Yeah, paper. See, I, I would I would say to you, you've got you, you printed it out for the, today's podcast. I, I would have had no issue with you having your iPad in front of you or even having your laptop still out and looking at it because that's what I'd have to do. I wouldn't have a bit of paper. It, my my actual my 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 wedding speech was on my phone. I did write it at five o'clock that morning, but uh, um, it was on my phone, on on Word on my phone, and I was just scrolling up and down. And it was just literally like bullet points for me to think about what I wanted to say. Normally, whenever I think about things, especially when I'm doing talks or when I'm doing things, it is literally just bullet points. Even yeah. with a even with a PowerPoint presentation, they are literally there. Maybe one or two words in that PowerPoint presentation that for the for the person who's watching it, there's more wording, and they can read it themselves. If they want to, if they can. But for me, it's actually there. Maybe just one word in there. And actually, that will spark a memory that means I know what that slide's all about and I know what I can talk about. Yeah. And it may be a word that then allows me to go and talk about myself. It allows me to talk about a story that I've had in my life about a teacher or falling over a chair, because I've done that before in many talks, because I co-occur conditions, dyspraxia as well. And it kind of of goes, it does. So I'm going to wrap this episode up. Um, uh, thank you for coming on the show, Darren. It's been really interesting. It's amazing how much we don't know about the people we interact with. Yeah, it's very true. Um, uh, within mainly within SEND because that's the world I've lived in for the last twenty years and uh, seen you at shows and so many other people at the shows. Yeah, that you just say hello, you talk to them, you ask questions, you talk about various things going on, um, and each person's journey is unique. Um, and some have had a lot of barriers they've had to overcome. So to talk about your challenges and all the things you've overcome, or they've had a family member they supported, and that sparked off their interest, and it's led them into their life and their career. Um, We just accept 
So I've never questioned your background. I've never gone, why are you into dyslexia? It's just, I've just accepted you for the way you are. And it, but it's going to make me think when I'm at a talk or at a conference, how did that person who's talking get that experience, that knowledge, that passion? And that, and that's, it is actually really interesting. I, I, I actually, even I forget about it as well, because I have that concept as well. So and I, I think it's great that we do take just what is face value. We don't yeah. make assumptions. And I will just diverse back into technology is that's one of the things I love. Um, I'm going to say text messaging or yeah. WhatsApping is when you're doing that, you just get to perceive them by what they've written. Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah. You have no idea if they've dictated. You have no idea if they've used eyes gaze. Yeah. There's so many things you have no idea. You have no idea what gender they are, no. their color, where they are in the world. You just have to judge them on what they've said, which yeah. I think is a really great leveller. Yeah, it is. Yes, definitely. Um, so we will be putting all the links um, that we've mentioned. So the Dyslexia Show, also the... Um, SEND Group. SEND Group, and also the At Work. Uh, access to Work. Access to Work. So that will all be in the show notes. Uh, along with, so I mentioned Dyslexia Show. So Aaron decided crazily, I'm going to launch a Dyslexia Show all on my own. Uh, and that's happening uh, in March on the 20th and 21st, which is a Friday and Saturday. So it's happening any scene in Birmingham. So it's the first year of the Dyslexia Show, and it's the first dis- national Dyslexia Show? Yes. So there's never been uh, a dedicated show dedicated to Dyslexia. So there's been events, there's been conferences, and for me it was basically changing that mould. Uh, for me, it needed to be a show that was open boat for, for everyone. So it's not a consumer show. It's not a it's not a trade show. It is a hybrid show. It has people from education. It has people. It has parents and carers. It has young people. It has the workplace there. And that was the whole point of it was. It was to change that model and kind of also put more of a, of a national presence on it. And that's why doing it at the NEC was quite important for me. It is. And, and the response, I am... The response on social media has just been amazing. You have, I think, every time I look at the comments you get, it's like, oh, am I going? Should we, we should, should we go? And it's then you get, you, you, we've had a few negative comments. It's like, no, this will never change anything. And, and then, then you do a little bit of engagement with that person and hope that person comes and actually finds it does change them. And I think that, that for me it is that it's giving people informed choice. And that's the thing it is. So, so I want more than one school there. I want more than one uh, one bookseller there. I want more than one technology company there. Because actually for me, it is that actually that there is a product out there that may help this person, but then there is another product that may help that person. And everyone is different. Every dyslexic is different. I'm dyslexic to my best friend who's dyslexic. He is so much more. He can take an engine to bits and put it back together. I could take an engine to bits. I wouldn't want to put it back together. But because that's not me. But I can walk into a company and, and talk and look at it and go, actually, you know what? I can do that. I can do that. Or I can walk into a school and say, why aren't you thought about putting that there or putting that there or, or, or do this? Because actually, that's what I'm good at. I can see that. And I can listen and kind of de- literally come up with a solution straight away. But that's why the dyslexia show is happening. It's going to be, it, it is, I'm really looking forward to it. Like we said, 20th and 21st of March at the NEC, starts at 9.30. There's, uh, there is, uh, 28 education seminars there's a 19 give or take 19 parent seminars there is going to be four young people seminars that haven't been launched so they were they literally as we were recording this they're being launched as we speak so that's excellent so that's really good and uh, there's going to be um some keynotes we're going to have some uh, uh, we're going to have some people talk about their dyslexia people talk about where dyslexia is in the uk today 
Uh, we're really happy that the British Dyslexia Association is involved. We've got Helen R. Kelly involved. Uh, we've we're, we're taught, we've got Made by Dyslexia coming as well in some form. Uh, and that's really good is for me, is bringing people together. Uh, we're really happy that uh, uh, that people are speaking at the event. And it's, it's going to be, uh, it's just going to be an amazing event. And it's just like, for me, it's kind of like, it's quite scary. Because today, today, at this point today, it's like, okay, you're looking at this budget, you're kind of like, okay, has people paid you? And okay, and you need to pay this bill to the NEC. And it's like, well, you know what, actually, they've been so supportive. It's like, you can't fault them. They, they got, they, and actually, even in the industry of, in the industry of exhibitions, we've had a lot of positive praise. Uh, we, we had an article in, in, in an in a industry magazine, and people were like quite shocked. Actually, there'd never been a show developed like this. And there is like the autism show, we have an SEN show. But actually for me, dyslexia is very specific. Dyslexia is a specific condition. It affects that that 15% is probably the highest percentage. 4% of the population is severely dyslexic like me. And actually, you know what? If we get it right for them, what can that do for, for, for society? And, that, and if we get it right for them, we get it right for everyone. So that's the point of the show. And I think it's one of the things is if you have this show and you get a lot of um it will create momentum oh definitely it's going to create momentum and for me i always think of because b squared we look at stuff in the swat of the schools and the parents but you're going to get adults with dyslexia who are still lacking support and finding yeah. answer and you'll probably even have employers coming along who've gone actually we've got someone with dyslexia i want to make sure we're doing it right yeah and that, that's really powerful we like we've got over 300 companies coming into our workplace event already and we're what three, two, like we're in ten, ten weeks out to the show, and, and to me that was we were only expecting like about one hundred and fifty. That's great, and for me that, that that's really empowering. It is, and and the comments that people are saying, and, and the kind of the kind of questions that people are asking, it's not like you know actually this is kind of that's different. I, when I actually came up with the idea, workplace wasn't in my kind of thinking. It's not an area that I've worked in. Nope. Uh, it's luckily that the people that I'm working with have worked in that. So that's where it came from. And that, that to me, I think we just, it's just, that is going to be really amazing. It's going to be something really different. Um, and actually that that has sparked other ideas in my head and it's where we're going to grow. And it's, I think that, that I literally, I'm actually now planning year two because I can't, I've got to plan year two as well yep. to launch year two at year, at year one. And I've got year three's plan half done, as in like we've started thinking about year three. Talking about year, what we, what do we do in year three and four? Do we do a two? Sh- do we do two shows? Do we look at the model of other people? What they done? And it and actually, you know what? For me, it's kind of like now that that's the passion. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, I'm Aaron Smith. I'm I'm an expert in lots of things around dyslexia, and that's what I want to be. The dyslexia show is going to be that that kind of that that kind of around that concept. I think that I will still consult with lots of people, and I don't mind consulting with people, uh, um, but I think it will change a lot. Because I think for me, it is all about. This is why I was really happy doing this podcast. Because actually, it's me. It's not. I've not got that hat on for Microsoft. I've not got that hat on for Clara. I've not got that hat on for Scanning Pens or Nessie or any one of them companies I've worked for. Actually, it's me. Dyslexia is me. My life is dyslexia. Let's move it forward. So I'm just going to touch on this. So many as you talk, I just get so many things I want to ask, and this conversation could go on for hours. But yeah. like, Best not to. No. Um, but I know because when we started the Virtual Science Send Conference last year, we started that because we looked at other stuff going, this isn't working. We, it's a better way of doing yeah. it. And it's the build it and they will come fear. Um, and that the budget on that is much lower. Oh, massively. Because um, it's logical. It's logical. 
And a whole idea of doing something at the NEC and then that going on from there, that was just, that would scare the bejesus out of me. I think the thing about what it was is that, that I, I always said the thing that, it, that I, I had, the plan has been in my head a long time. And I think people have said to me, you need to start small. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it at a football stadium. And I'm like saying, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it big. Because you know what? Uh, if you don't do it big first, it's never going it, to, it will grow and it won't, and the momentum won't be there. And that was the thing for me. It's like, I looked at Excel, I looked at the NEC, I looked at Olympia, I've looked at, I, I've, I've lo- I looked at, there's a, there's a venue in, in Liverpool as well. And I looked at all of that, you know, and I was like, my, my exhibition kind of life started at the NEC. I remember when I was seven, when I was eight, 17, 18, I was volunteering for the BDA at the education show on the Saturday, the very first show I ever did, absolutely loved it, was so happy to be at the NEC. Got to the, I don't even know how I got to the NEC because I, I don't think, I didn't pass my driving test until I was 19. So I have no idea how I got there. Uh, um, and I got there and I, because I don't think I caught the train because I don't like trains. <laughs> so I, I got, I know I got there and I did this event and it was just brilliant fun it was. And I remember, I remember even carrying boxes back to someone's car um, and that kind of got that buzz. So I think that's why the NEC was definitely always going to be the first show. And it's just, it's just going to be, it, it is going to be amazing. I'm, I can't wait until I, I, on that, on that first morning, I stand there and see that everything's built, all the carpets laid, uh, everyone's signed their health and safety form. I don't have to wear my safety boots. I, I make sure that uh, um, my health and safety manager, she's like really annoyed because I'm making her wear a pink high vis because she doesn't like pink. Um, because that's the colour of the show, because that's the colour I came up with when I came up with the logo. So that's how it is. And and that kind of thing is that we just we just move it to the right point. And, and it's so, everyone's so happy with it. Yeah, the team at the NEC have been amazing. The team that we've got now, I've been, this is the other thing, having a, com- working for myself for the past four years, I now have staff. That, that That's like, <laughs> that is like, I've never, I, I used to manage staff when I was in retail, but not like directly. Not your staff. Not my staff. There was a, there was a senior manager above me. I was always like a supervisor. But now this is my, this is, these are staff that I'm saying, okay, we need to make sure we, uh, have you done this bit? Because I can't, I can't do my bit until you've done that bit. Uh, and okay, you've got this expertise. I want to know a little bit about it, but I'm not going to do it for you because I can't. And that was quite hard. Being, having, having neurotypical disorder differences, let's say, I found that a little bit difficult, but actually, you know what? Now I just love it. I just like, you know what? Less stress. Let's get on with it. He knows what he's doing. She knows what she's doing. Hopefully that person knows what they're doing. And, and you as a person that is meant to be doing stuff, get on and do it, please. Cause then it'd be finished. So it's good. It's going to be good. It's free to register seminar tickets are priced, but then you get, you get, it's, it's all accredited CPD. So it's going to be an amazing show. And I, if you're coming, do come and find me. You'll see me running around with probably three walkie-talkies and like two mobile phones in my hand. But and someone behind him clearing up the sick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, someone, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think I, that the sick one definitely won't be happening because to me, it's just going to be like I'm just going on that massive high, just uh, adrenaline. It, yeah, adrenaline. And I think I think the thing about it is like, so my mum and dad are coming on the Saturday, and I think that would be really powerful. That would be amazing. So, yeah, to show them that actually, you know, this is what I do. Uh, my daughter's coming and, and, and the NEC have got this, uh, they've got a children's high vis that says organiser on it, which I just can't wait to see my six-year-old walking around the hall because she'll want to walkie-talkie as well. So yeah. she, that's the thing. So you can just see it now and it's just like, but that's the other thing about dyslexia, like just, just switching it back. I can close my eyes and I can see what the show looks like. I, I know what the plan looks like on paper, but I also actually know what it will look like. I know what that stand's going to look like because I know what they what that stand builds. I know what that stand... 
I know what's going to happen when people walk down there, how that's going to look. And then I can look at it and go, actually, you know, I, well, I, want it, I want to do this, which is a little different. How can I do that? How much is that going to cost me? Can I get someone to sponsor that? Can I get someone to do this bit? And that's the point it is for me. So it, it's, it's going to be amazing. So I'm just going to bring it back to right at the beginning. We yeah. talked about when you were a child and that diagnosis and when you went uh, to the Institute in Leicestershire yeah. and you said, I felt I wasn't alone. Yeah. So I think you're going to have children young people coming to this coming to dyslexia show yeah and going i'm not alone yeah and for them and their parents seeing all those companies there seeing all these talks actually going it's going to be okay yeah and and that's the thing is it is it is that we have to there, there's a lot of people say that dyslexia is very it just when we diagnose dyslexia it's very negative because it has to be in one sense but actually we have to look at the positives and we have to see what people achieve. We can look at all these things that saying, okay, we've got uh, um, we've got famous people that are dyslexic, but actually, let's look at real people. And that's the thing. I, I'm I'm luckily I've got a, a previous executive director from um, from one of the uh, financial institutions that do your credit checking. Uh, he's coming. I've got uh, I've got uh, a an entrepreneur that used to work for Tesco that now run that ran. A, a two and a half million pound cleaning company coming to talk about how he's now decided not to do cleaning anymore and just concentrate on talking to people about dyslexia. Um, we've got the, the, the even the joint chair of the BDA, how he's worked for, he's like, he was 40 when he found his dyslexic and he's worked for Ernst & Young, PwC, KPMG and EY. And how does someone that has, 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 has quite severe dyslexia in the sense that actually reading papers is really difficult, but actually because of his mind and how he thinks, that's how he can do it. And he's going to be there. It is just like, for me, there's a really good team of people. It's going to be just amazing. So I would love you to turn up. I'll be seeing you in the morning of the show. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, so I did try and wrap it up. We're still Sorry. talking. So uh, that's great. And I, I love it. I do find Thanks. everything about all the people I talk to really interesting. And I'm really inspired. And I think when you talk about it, I'm, I'm literally thinking that's going to be great for that person. I can see that it's going to be, it's amazing. Yeah, dyslexics have this thing called DVD. It's dyslexia, verbal diarrhea. We don't shut up talking. <laughs> so I will shut up now, let you finish wrap up the podcast. So um, we will be saying with show notes, we'll put all the information on about the uh, dyslexia show. Then also how you can get hold of Aaron on social media and so on. Um, so you can find the show notes on our website, which is www.thesendcast.com. Um, uh, so thank you for listening to the show uh, I hope you found it enjoyable as me uh, if you haven't subscribed already you can subscribe by going to our website www.thesendcast.com and you'll be able to find over get a link to whatever um, podcasting app you use uh, you can also sign up to our newsletter to keep up to date with everything you can listen to the po- uh, website as well uh, you can follow us on Twitter at The Sendcast on Facebook The Sendcast on Instagram The Sendcast uh, on LinkedIn, for some reason, it's just Sendcast. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, give us any feedback, share a story, give us your thoughts, suggest a topic or anything, please send an email to hello at thesendcast.com. And as if you've enjoyed the Sendcast, uh, we've mentioned the virtual Send conference a few times today. Um, and this is a conference that, like this, we run by B-squared. It covers all aspects of SEND. And as it, it's accessed across the internet, uh, which is huge benefits because there's no travelling, there's no time out of school because you can access it on the day or you can access it whenever you want because you get the videos to watch whenever you want, as much as you want. 
Um, and as we don't have to hire out a big hotel and various other things or the NEC, uh, it makes it a lot cheaper for us. Um, so we've just got really covered costs. Um, so rather than it costing hundreds of pounds per person, it costs us 60 pounds per school. So really cost effective, really powerful. Um, and we ran a session uh, in March 2019 uh, with Neil McKay talking about supporting dyslexia in mainstream. And Neil's going to be back this March, so March 2020, talk about supporting learners with SEND for tests and exams. Uh, and also another talk on supporting dyslexia in mainstream. So as a listener to Sendcast, we're offering you a 10% discount. Just use the code SENDCAST10. No space, just Sendcast numbers one zero. Uh, and you'll receive 10% discount. So thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode for the Sendcast. So that's thank you. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs>